Welcome to the Brilliantly Resilient Podcast. What's your train wreck? Everyone has one. The question is, are you going to live there or are you just visiting? Let's check in with Mary Fran and Kristen to learn how to come through not broken, but brilliant. Hey everyone, before we dive into this week's episode, we have a resource that we wanted to tell you about. Transform every week of yours with our brilliance bit that will deliver right to your email inbox. Sign up for it at brilliantlyresilient.net and keep living brilliantly resilient. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Brilliantly Resilient Live Show. I'm Kristen Smedley here with my partner in crime, Mary Fran Bontempo. And we have got quite the guest today. I got to say, we didn't actually get to meet our guest when we were at his conference right before the holidays. But you guys, this was a place where when we came off the stage, not only did we have a line of people wanting to talk to us and buy our book, there was chocolate everywhere. Yes. (laughs) It was in Hershey, PA, which is in our guest's backyard. We were a little jealous. And and that's why we're all smiling, because we're all still loaded on the chocolate from that conference. No, it was one of our most favorite conferences. So we are so excited that Donald Booker is here with us today. That was the PA Coalition of Nurse Practitioners, which Donald was the past president, right? I was uh, president-elect which um, I had to resign from when I became president. So I was president for about 15 minutes. So uh, (laughs) there's a story why, but uh, yeah. So I was president for about 15 minutes, but uh, we've been involved with the organization for, you know, my whole NP career. So about 16 years. So So did you have to give that up after 15 minutes because of the state board of nursing position that you got? Yes. So um, right as uh, two weeks before the conference, I was contacted by the the governor's office in in Pennsylvania asking if I would be a member of the State Board of Nursing, uh, which um, is a a crazy huge honor. And uh, I said, sure, um, as long as I could still be involved in my organization, you know, the organization that I love, uh, Pennsylvania Coalition. And um, there was a yes, you can. And then there was, oh, wait, there's this law from uh, 1920 that says that you can't be president of a state organization and a and be on a licensing board in which you represent that, um, you know, the nurse in nursing. So I had to step down. Good. Well, that's, that's a good not, story, though. It's not a bad reason to be kicked out of a presidency. At least there wasn't a coup or anything, you yeah. know, where they ran you out of town on a rail. So that's a good thing. Exactly. Yes. And I really <laughs> wanted to be there to tell everyone. But um, unfortunately, that I had COVID. Um, so I had to miss the conference, which man, yeah. it just gets better and better. And and for those that are listening, and not watching the video, Don's just smiling away. Yeah, then I got COVID, like all this stuff. That's why we were so excited to talk with you today about this element of being brilliantly resilient. And, you know, Mary Fran and I in our in our very in-depth production meeting, for like seven minutes. We we usually do the whole like, okay, we're going to start here. We look at your story and let's start here. But honestly, Don, this is a little bit different because when we 
came off the stage and I was joking about, you know, the, the chocolate and everything, but the line of folks was so long. We spent so much time out there because people were saying when we did our building, the resilient presentation, which was only, we just like only had time to dive into a couple of the pillars. They were like, we needed this. We needed this message. So let's just start where, where, um, if you could give us the, the state of, of, healthcare workers right now? I mean, what are you seeing? What What's happening? Uh, it, it's really a difficult time to be in healthcare. Um, we are still struggling, um, you know, with the, you know, fallout from the pandemic. And just like, you know, now we're going into flu season, and it's starting to be the worst flu season that we've seen in many, many years. So, um, you know, nurses um, are just at a point where, um, you know, we love what we do. We're passionate about what we do, but it's just so hard. Um, you know, I became a nurse uh, back in uh, 1998. Um, I, you know, was an ICU nurse my career before I went to be a nurse practitioner. And, um, you know, I, I still, I mean, I love bedside nursing. I love being a nurse practitioner, but, you know, over the years, it's just gotten so hard, um, you know, trying to, keep up with everything that's going on in healthcare. You know, you're tasked to do more things, uh, less time, less resources. Um, and then I think when the pandemic happened, nursing felt really left out. We felt behind. Um, you know, initially, you know, people were cheering when people went to work. Fast forward four months and, you know, you're being told that, you know, you're just in this to make money and you're just, um, you know, uh, you know, I think the the hardest part of it for me, um, you know, I was uh, working one night and a patient with COVID uh, passed away and I, it's two in the morning, you know, the nurses are overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. You know, I call this family to let them know because it was before you could, there was no visitors to tell them, you know, that their loved one passed. And immediately I am greeted on the phone with, uh, I'm sure you're just going to say that she died because of COVID. And I'm like, well, sir, that's what happened. And, you know, uh, and he just started on like, you're going to put that on the death certificate because you want to make money. And, you know, I was just so, you know, and I'm a very, as you see, said, I smile and I'm, I'm, I'm always professional, but I ended the conversation with, I just want you to know that the nurse and I held her hand when she passed. Mm. Because for me, I needed him to hear that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in it to make money. I was there to make sure his loved one, you know, had some dignity and respect when she passed on. And, you know, the nurse and I, you know, we're in full garb and, you know, I, I just, I needed him to hear that for me because uh, by that time I was just like, listen, I'm, I, I'm just here to take care of her. I'm, I'm risking, you know, the health of my family every time I come in um, because I love what I do. So um, I, that's where we're at. We're still healing from the pandemic, um, whether it's, you know, uh, a nurse's aide, uh, LPN, an RN, a nurse practitioner, a physician assistant, a physician, all the ancillary staff, we're still trying to kind of regain what we had before the pandemic. Wow. You know, the, um, the piece of that, that's so sad is that right at the moment when you're feeling the most human with someone's passing 
you were met with something political and and the animosity of that. And and I don't think most of us, at least me, not until really this very moment, were aware of the punch that you guys took with that. I mean, to for for people to to assume that, you know, their loved ones are dying and you're in the middle of this, this real horror, this plague, that there was another ulterior motive that that was not about you being human and fulfilling your goal. That must have been really, really challenging. Has that abated somewhat or are you still getting that, you know, that pushback from people? I will say it's gotten better after um, kind of last year's surge and, um, and and things started to taper off. It is better, um, but still till then, um, you, you know, you know, you talk about the the things we have to treat it and, you know, people would immediately, you know, you're faced with it, like every patient you're seeing someone challenging you and saying, well, you know, no, I don't want that. I want to do, I want what I heard on TV or on a news story or whatever. And, um, you know, but it is getting better. And I think, um, you know, part of what we're seeing now is just people have left the profession. So it's difficult to recruit. It's difficult to um, maintain um, experienced staff, um, providers. Uh, so I think we're all still uh, and we're waiting for the, the next thing to come. I think that's the scary part. You know, when all this started, if you asked any of us, we're like, uh, it's not going to, it's not going to be a big deal. I, I mean, I remember I was working actually in um, Philadelphia. I was doing locums and I was in a small hospital. And I, I remember seeing the first sign that was like, if you travel to China, you know, and I made a joke about it. I was like, you know, where are they so concerned about? It couldn't happen here. So I think we're still kind of in that state of what's going to happen next. How's the flu going to be? Are we going to be able to, you know, get through it? You know, I, I've come to realize that people in your industry tend to be those folks that love to serve, right? You know, and you've got this, you take so much pride and joy in being of service. So I can imagine, I mean, it's hard. This has been hard for everybody, but for for folks like you that that are there to serve, to then have and to make people happy and comfortable and then to have people so unhappy and uncomfortable it is it's like a double whammy for for folks like you so maybe if we could for a second let's let's talk for a minute cuz i really want people to understand the the people behind this profession like so you're now representing everyone so there you go don don't step out <laughs> of line here <laughs> but to give folks an idea how did you get involved in this field in the first place did you always know you wanted to do this was was it something that happened in your journey yeah, so, um, you know, I, when I was in high school, I shadowed a nurse in my local hospital. So I came, I grew up in a small town um, in Western PA uh, in Sharpsville. And uh, the little hospital had um, where you could go and shadow someone. And I loved uh, biology in school, but I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So I shadowed an ER nurse and he was amazing. Like, it was the first time I saw really sick people. And, you know, you're 18 years old. Um so I was like, you know what? I think this is what I'm meant to do. Like, I really loved the science behind it. And, um, you know, kind of my journey through school was not like typical. I went to school. I was like, I'm a major in biology. And then I was like, you know what? That's not really working out for me. Uh, maybe I want to be a physician assistant. And finally, um, I started working as an orderly in a hospital. And 
I just fell in love with what I, the nurses did and especially in ICU and um, how smart they were. And I really was able to see that, you know, they're the ones that are standing there for 12 hours, saving your loved one, um, you know, picking up on things, calling the, you know, the provider and saying, Hey, this is what's going on. I'm worried about, you know, Mr. So-and-so. Um, so that really started my journey. Um, I, when I graduated from uh, nursing school, I started in an ICU and really, um, it, I always say this, it's what I was meant to do. Um, I'm not very good at many things, but uh, I really excelled and uh, really started to think about what I wanted to do as I progressed through the profession. And um my uh, one the one hospital I was working at hired a nurse practitioner and uh, I saw what she could do. You know, she's, you know, managing these patients, doing procedures. And I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do that. So, uh, you know, I applied to the only acute care nursing program that was around, which was in Pittsburgh. I was living in Erie and I commuted back and forth to Pittsburgh uh, for two and a half years to do it because I just knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then um, as I was doing clinical, I just, again, was, it just felt right. It felt like this is where I wanted to be um, and what I wanted to do because I had the best of both worlds. I still was a nurse, um, but I was also able to kind of uh, move to kind of that pinnacle part of my profession where I, you know, I'm also a provider and I make decisions. And um, I remember uh, when I was at the bedside. So I try and keep that piece in my brain every time I'm dealing with a, a patient and a nurse who says to me, you know what, this, this, this doesn't seem right to me. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think that what's, what makes all nurse practitioners great providers. You know, I'm, I'm listening to you talking about how the nurses are the ones who are standing there and watching for 12 hours. And my daughter is a nurse. She was an ER nurse. Now she's in a PACU, but she will will frequently echo many of the things that, that you're saying. And, and clearly, you know, not to diminish doctors, I'm not doing that, but there, it, it's just like, you know, a mom who is watching their child. You you see this, you see what's happening. So one of the things that you said you wanted to talk about um, was advocacy and advocacy as a healthcare provider. So here's what I want to ask you. I mean, I think typically we see, oh, the doctors are the ones and they make the call and blah, blah, blah. But during COVID, when nobody knew what the heck was going on, was there kind of walls dropping between that hierarchy of doctors and nurses where there was more collaboration of like, hey, how about we try this? Or what do you think about that? Because really, it was a crapshoot. Nobody knew what the heck we, they were doing. And is that something that's maybe opened up then and is evolving still now? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, honestly, I have collaborated and worked with physicians my entire career, and that will never change. I think we work together um, much better than is perceived when we talk about advocacy issues. Um, you know, I, you know, when I'm on service, I work with an attending, we talk about patients, I give ideas, they give ideas, um, you know, and I really feel like it is a, a great partnership. Um, and with the bedside nurse, you know, we can't do it alone. I mean, not one person um, directs 
the care of a patient. You know, the, the physician may make the final decision on things, on certain things, but it's always with, hey, I saw this, or did you see these labs? And I, I really feel that it's a great partnership. Um, when we advocate for things, you know, I think there's things we advocate for for our profession and our patients that need to break down these walls because we do need, um, you know, everyone, you know, that can work to work. Um, we need people at the bedside. We need people, we need providers, uh, nurse practitioners, physician assistants, physicians, you know, all to be working together to make this healthcare system work because without it, um, you see these um, areas where, you know, people don't have access and um, health disparities. It's a real thing. And, you know, people think, oh, it's just in rural. No, it's in inner city Philadelphia. It's in, you know, inner city Pittsburgh. It's everywhere where you see health disparities because people don't have access to care. Um, so I do think that COVID did allow a lot of people to see what nurse practitioners can do, see what physician assistants can do, see what respiratory therapists can do. Mm. Um, that, that, you know what, we can be part of the team and we can really be, um, you know, making decisions and it, you know, helping patient outcomes and improving access to care. So it, it's something that I'm very passionate about um, because um, you know, I just know in my little town, which is not far from Pittsburgh or Erie, you know, my parents sometimes they don't have access to an endocrinologist or access to a dermatologist. They have to go to Pittsburgh or Erie or, you know, so there there's room for everyone. And I think if we step back as a profession, all of us, there's room for all of us. It's just about how we communicate with each other. Um, because I think when people say, oh, he said, she said, they mm -hmm. can't do, you can't do, um, is when walls go, go up and defenses go up because, you know, everyone's passionate about the profession they chose. So I, I do feel that the, a lot of times that's where, um, you know, if we have a dialogue that is not confrontational, it's much better for everybody. You know, you mentioned the word communication, and I'm remembering being in that giant ballroom at the conference, and we have a slide where we talk about the importance of communication, and that landed huge, of course, with, with that audience. One of the other things, I'm interested to get your take on this. One of the other things we talk about is aligning yourself with people that have the same values. Um, and and it, it's it's quite evident of why so many teams in the healthcare industry are um, strong and get through things like this because you're aligned with very similar values. My question for you though, Don, especially in that example that you gave us with the person on the phone, I would imagine that respect, kindness are, are in, the, in the core values of, of your profession. For those of us that like, you know, in the middle of a divorce, when you're trying to have your values and you're dealing with someone that doesn't honor those values, right? Or people dealing with kids with addiction or family members, how do you, how do you stand there and decide that you're going to end the conversation in a kind way, staying in your values when you're dealing with these people that want no parts of, of honoring that? Uh, I think it is really because I truly when I first was it graduated from being a nurse, my one, my first preceptor said to me, you have to remember that 
when we're interacting with a family, they're having the worst day of their life. This is mm. your every day you're going to go to work, Don, and you're going to see patients and families. Just remember that they're having the one of the worst days of their lives. So mm. you just have to overcome it. And, you know, I've been, you know, be, having been a nurse for so long, I mean, I had a patient's family that, you know, the, the guy pushed me up against a wall. Like he was trying to grieve and he could, he didn't know how to do it. So again, I could have reacted and I just stepped away. I let him, you know, cool off. He apologized later, but, you know, I think always remembering that is key. Um, because it is, whether it's, again, um, you know, you bring up addiction. Uh, I find that patients that seek help for addiction by coming into the hospital, there's still a stigma. And mm -hmm. I always try to, you know, people always say, oh, Don, you're just, you, you, you give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And I do, because I just know that maybe this one time is the time that they're going to be successful. And it's someone's daughter, it's someone's son, it's, you know, it, it could be my child, like, I, you have to step out of it. And it's hard, because there's some days where I'm just like, okay, you just gotta, you know, because people will push you to, to the limit of um, which you're able to, you know, have that kind of, um, um, you know, res you know, resilience to just be like, you know what, I, I'm going to step back, I'm not going to react, I'm going to validate what they're saying, but also make sure they're safe. And, you know, that we're doing the best thing for them. Um, because, the, you know, that's what it came down to all through COVID, it was validating that I understand this is what you've seen, what you want, this is the science, this is what we need to do. Um, you know, you could disagree with it, but just know that it's the best thing for your loved one. Um, though that was the message that I think all of us in healthcare, that's, that's what we said every day, you know, it's, you know, we understand, but this is what needs to happen to keep your loved one safe. You know, that's an enormous, um, testament to the, the resilience of your community to be able to do that. And, you know, one of the things that you, you also talked about is being, being true to yourself and being true to your value system. And the reason maybe that you went into that profession in the first place to be of service and to be kind and to be caring, but I never quite thought about it in those terms that you are called upon to be the best version of yourself while dealing with people who are sometimes at the worst versions of themselves. So this this piece of values and this idea of being being true to yourself is this something that is talked about in your profession or is it kind of a given or i mean it seems to me that it's something that you almost have to make people consciously aware of it's probably intuitive for most of you but as you said there are probably those days where you're like get out of my face you know and and you do have to make a conscious decision to be aware of that yeah. And, you know, I, I, most places, you know, um, you know, where I practice at now, I mean, they are, um, you know, we do yearly, you know, training for, because, you know, microaggression, like, um, you know, things that, you know, you may not pick up on, but you're doing, um, you know, being conscious about it. Um, you know, um, 
the organization Matt was is very big on you know share your pronouns, make sure people feel comfortable, you know, make sure that that patient who identifies differently doesn't feel different. And um, we have a long way to go in healthcare because um, a lot of places don't do that. Uh, so there's trust issues and stuff. But you know, I, I think that. A lot of us, it is intuitive, but you have to, like anything, any skill, you have to, you know, continue to practice and understand what, you know, someone else may be feeling that you've never felt because you've never been in that situation um, before. Um, you know, I, on my lanyard, I have two pins that I wear. Um, one is a pride uh, and transgender pin because I want people to understand that they're in a safe place when I'm their provider. Um, the other one's an equality pin because I work in a heavily female dominated field that is still struggling for equality. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if you look at the numbers, um, uh, you know, a, a male nurse versus a female nurse versus someone that comes in as a, as a, a nurse from another country, the pay is different. Um, so we still have a long way to go in healthcare, but those are things that I want my patients to see too that are important to me. Now, do some of them say, why do you have that pin on? Absolutely, but um, I just always tell them it's because I wanna make sure everyone that I take care of knows that they're in a safe place. You know, I'm, I'm hearing so much of what you're saying is another pillar part of the brilliantly resilient process and that's controlling the controllables. So I'm, I'm, I'm I'm still going back to this whole, I'm just envisioning you with, with this person yelling and, and other people as they're listening are putting their own life situations and they, you know, are trying to stick to, to their values and being of service and all that. And it really is, it's the, it's the perspective of you can't control what that other person is, is going to do. You can't control any of the, you can only control what you can control, stay in your values, still being of service honoring um, the, you know, equality and, and all of the other things that you're talking about, that really is one of the big um, differentiators. I'm sure you're realizing in whether you um, are going to up and walk out of this profession or stay in it for the long haul. But I also have to ask you on that. Are there, were there situations over the past, you know, how many, how many years have we been in this? It feels like 57, but I guess it's like, you know, not that long. Were there moments of, people being grateful and, and, and happy for, for you coming into, into their situation? Absolutely. There, you know, there are patients that, you know, um, you know, they say, you know what, I would not have lived without the team that took care of me, um, you know, uh, and those are the things that carried us through that I mm -hmm. think still carry us through um, because, disproportionate, like, especially after the vaccine came out, there was a disproportionate amount of, you know, patients that, you know, may not have gotten as sick because they got the vaccine or not in the hospital anymore. So there's was a disproportionate amount of people that didn't believe in it, the vaccine didn't that were sick that didn't maybe have that same message. Um, but I did have people that after they were so sick said to me, you know what, I, I made fun of this and it almost took me out and I'm going to get my vaccine and I'm going to take it serious. Um, you know, just like the flu, like right now, um, whenever I have the chance on social media, I'm like get your flu shot, please get it. Because we're seeing, 
you know, really sick people with flu right now. And, uh, you know, I know we have vaccine fatigue, but just get it done. It's five minutes at CVS or Walmart or wherever you go, uh, just get it done. You know, it's funny that that really segues into into one of the other things that that we wanted to talk about and nurses having answers to problems and being an answer to a problem. I mean, you guys are on the front lines. You see this. And I, I really wonder at people who who think there's another motivation, like nobody, you guys don't want people to come in and be sick. Like that's not the goal. Like, oh yeah, well, we won't have a job if they're not sick. So we want them all to be as sick as possible. That's like, that's not how any of that works because nurses are never going to go out of fashion. There will always, as you said, you're waiting for the next thing. There will always be a next thing. But what do we need to do kind of as a, as a society maybe to elevate the voice that nurses have so that we, we can listen to them? And these are people who, who see these things every day. You guys have answers. What do we need to do to hear that? Yeah, it's difficult because, you know, there's multiple nursing professional organizations that, you know, a lot of us felt left let us down during COVID, like the voice needed to be louder. It needed to be, you know, um, I challenge every nurse, nurse practitioner to join, you know, their local organization, their state organization, their, you know, national organization, because that's how we have a voice. People, I think people have, there's a perception of what nurses do. And then there's what nurses really do. Um, you know, um, you know, when I see things and, you know, I'm, I, I watch TikTok cause I like it. And, but like, sometimes I see like, oh, well, this nurse was rude and didn't get me water. And but I get it, but you don't understand what the nurse, you know, was doing at that time. You know, the, the science behind it, what we have to know and understand and the medications and, you know, um, how we're treated from colleagues and peers and, you know, our physician colleagues, it all, I think really kind of, um, you know, people don't understand what it takes to work and live in that kind of profession. And it, I would love for every, you know, congressman and woman to, to shadow a nurse for a day. Hmm. Um, you know, go to your ICU, go to the floor, go to a nursing home and see, you know, the LPN, the RN and the nurses aide that are taking care of a wing of patients and the expectations that people have on them. And then, you know, when something doesn't go right, the criticism that they get because, oh, what do you mean you didn't see this, you know, this wound on a patient? You know, no one asks him or her, you know, how many patients did you have that day? Oh, you had so many, you know, that's why things didn't go the way they did. So I really feel that nursing needs to really start talking about itself. As you could guess, we don't like to do that too much. We're kind of, we go to work, we do our job. We're not out there saying, this is what we do. This is what, you know, um, this is the, the staffing that we need. This is, you know, um, the representation we need to have um, when you're looking at bills and you're looking at new legislation. Uh, so uh, I really feel that every nurse should belong. And I think that every healthcare consumer should really understand what nurses do. Um, and how to do that is 
I think nurses need to talk about it and you need to see them on TV and you need to, um, you know, when, um, you know, a star has an, uh, a surgery and they bring their nurse on their show, that's one of the ways that people can then see like, you know what, this is, this is, these are the people that help me get better. Um, so I just think visibility is key and, you know, um, really getting people to understand what we do. You know, when, um, I don't know if you know my story, but my first two children, my two boys were born blind. And when the first, my oldest was born, they initially did not detect any kind of eye issue. So he was admitted into the hospital at four, at four months old for 48 hours doing every test imaginable. And it went from clearing him of a brain tumor to assembling a cancer team, right? So, And I was, what, 28 years old. This is my first teeny tiny little baby. The nurses in that hospital, the stuff that they did to to make me not lose my mind and the care that they gave us as and I was I was a complete and utter disaster and I was angry. I was everything. Talk about my worst day. And they were absolutely phenomenal. And I'll also share that during covid. Um, so I gained a, an incredibly healthy respect for nurses, the same respect that I was raised um, to respect uh, men and women in, in the service, because my father was in the service and wasn't respected. You know, it's that, it's that when you have that experience, you realize what level, but when, um, I have an interesting story for you when during COVID, my dad actually had two strokes and heart surgery, right? And he never got COVID. Now this is probably not, not a good thing to say, but he says, because you have two Miller lights a day, you don't get COVID. We don't suggest <laughs> that that's how you should operate, but that was my dad's theory, right? That got us through. But the first time it was during all the lockdowns and nobody could get in. One of my girlfriends from my high school soccer team stayed up half the night combing Facebook for who we knew that was a nurse in that hospital that we went to high school with. This is how my my tribe operates. And when I tell you, Don, I got messages all day for the entire time he was in there from these nurses going in. For, they were on all different parts of the hospital going in to not only check on him, spend some time with him and then call my mom and I, and my brothers to say, here's what this is happening. Here's what this is happening. And it was it was like un and they didn't act like it was anything major to ask for. They were happy to do it. That's awesome. Yeah, again, I, it's little things. I mean, you know, like, it, again, I'm sure the, the nurses that were doing it was like, oh, yeah, sure. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, we remember her. Let's do it. You know, um, you know, it is. It's little things. It's, you know, you know, I was one of the things when I was a bedside nurse and I still like, you know, guys that that a lot of military guys are big about shaving and they shave every day. Mm. You know, I, I remember a you know, during COVID, I had a patient and he's like, all I want is shave. I helped him shave because you know what, for him, that's what he needed. He yeah. needed that to feel like himself. Like I'm going to get over this. I'm going to get better. Um, you know, so I just think it is, it's taking the time to do those little things, which, you know, sometimes it's really hard to do when you're having a really busy day, but you know, I do think that's what makes the difference, right? That's what, you know, makes someone that is having the worst day, maybe be like, you know what, it, it, it's going to be okay. Or if it's not okay, I have this support system around me to help me get through it. Yeah. Well, this has been 
an amazing conversation and, and really eye-opening. Again, my daughter's a nurse, so I, I do hear some of from her some of what you're saying, but um, it's it's something that we need to recognize is systemic and we need to recognize that we need to respect the people regardless of whether you're having your worst day. And I get that. I get what that feels like because I, I had my worst day when, when we took my son in for an overdose. But, um, you know, the, the people who are there are, are there to serve and to help. And, and then they know stuff. They know stuff like that's what you, and that's what you need at that point. You know, that's anything. The thing to combat those kinds of intense emotions is often information. So that's really helpful information and the kindness that you offer. So, how can we support you? How can we find the um, the nurse practitioners organization that we can kind of, you know, just give you guys a hand? Absolutely. So, you know, um, uh, Pennsylvania Coalition of Nurse Practitioners, they have a Facebook page. Um, you can just search that. We have an, they have an Instagram. Um, you know, you can go to the website, um, which is um, uh, pcanp.org or um, you know, and, you know, reach out, you know, and, you know, there's, I always share this too, you know, you don't have to be a nurse practitioner to be part of the organization. You can join as a, um, mm. someone who's not, or you can, you know, contribute to the organization. Um, you know, that that's the best way to find them. And, you know, they do great work. Um, the national organization also does great work, AANP. Um, they do a lot to remove barriers of practice and improve patient care. So absolutely. Awesome. All right. Let's jump into our rapid fire reset real quick. <laughs> These are uh, three quick, three quick questions for, as we're realizing that people need that, that jolt to, to reset after, you know, maybe having a bad day, bad experience or, um, or locked in their house with college kids for way too long. Our first one on it is what is your go-to song that just pumps you up and knocks you right out of a bad mood? Um, uh, I, I think it's, so Whitney Houston, I want to dance with somebody is always, oh, I love that. that's a great one. That's a great, in my head. Um, okay. So the second question is what can you recall a time and it doesn't have to be about you. It could be something that you saw, something that you heard, whatever, that you just laughed so hard that you were all but crying. Uh, yeah, it's probably not a great story to tell, but I'll, I'll tell it. So, uh, <laughs> I was working one uh, New Year's Eve, not recently, it was a while back, and um, it was on night shift, and one of the nurses ate something from the day that she shouldn't have ate, and, like, the whole shift, she is just, like, my stomach, my stomach, and we had a really sick patient, and, like, it wasn't funny, but it was funny because, like, she would be, like, mid-sentence and then gone. Like, you know, all of us, you know, we supported her. She ended up getting to go home. But it was just hilarious because she was just, like, not horribly sick, but sick enough that it was funny that she was just, like, <laughs> oh, and then she'd be gone. So Disappear. And we've <laughs> all had those moments where you just need the bathroom. You do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And then our last one is, what is a moment that you can recall? It was just like, you're like, I am a rock star. You just rock something. Um, I, I think, you know, I uh, had worked at a place with, I, I had a colleague who wasn't um, very kind to uh, nurse practitioners. And I struggled with this person. And he always felt that he was 
the end all be all, which is fine. Um, and one day uh, the chargers called me and said, hey, could you come up here? Because there's an issue with the patient and um, this person can't do a procedure. He can't get it. Um, and we want to know if you would help. So I come up and immediately he's like, why are you here? And I said, they called me. And um, it was an arterial line in a patient. And he's like, you're never going to get it. I've tried multiple times. And I'm like, just give me one shot, one shot. And he's like, fine. And in my brain, I'm like, you, you, you could do this, you, you know, because this is a procedure that you love and you could do. And I went in first try, first shot in worked pot. And the nurses were just like so excited because they just because he they knew our relationship was not the best. And they were just like, yay, Don got the line. So uh, to this day, I still it's like my, one of my. Did you, do a, did you do a mic drop moment? Like, I, yeah, yeah. All I said was, if you need any other help, please let me know. <laughs> and then you were down the hallway and danced to Whitney Houston. <laughs> I did. I did. In my brain, I was like, yes, it was great. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's I love awesome. moments like that. <laughs> Don, um, thanks so much for being here and joining us. This was a, a wonderful conversation with uh, about a much needed topic. And we're so happy we finally caught up with you. Even though we didn't get to see you in Hershey. We ate your candy there, by the way. We ate <laughs> yeah, your share. Good, good. Well, thank you guys for having me. It was fun. And um, you guys made this very easy. And I, I really appreciate it. And it's a great, I'm excited to get this out to, uh, so people could see it. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure that you go to brilliantlyresilient.net. Blink three times and the magic window appears where you can drop your email in and get a bit of brilliance, a less than one minute read because we don't do anything hard around here. Less than one minute read will be sent to your email inbox every week to keep you living brilliantly resilient. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Brilliantly Resilient podcast. Join our Facebook group and follow us on YouTube to be inspired with tools to reset, rise and reveal your brilliance.